Welcome to Kibi on Liberty. So we all went to this beautiful premiere last night at the Cato Institute mm -hmm. of your brand new film. Has there been other viewings of Undivide Us or was that like the first coming out party? So we actually had our national, our North American premiere was at, um, was at the Big Apple Film Festival um, in, in November. And so that was huge and we had a sold out crowd and it was, it was amazing. Um, and last night was actually a private screening, technically. So, so we're not even allowed to talk about it, really. <laughs> <laughs> so we still, we still will technically have like a public DC premiere because yesterday was like, you know, you were invited, right? It was invite only. It was very. It was very fancy. It was schmancy. Yeah. You know, there were there were cocktails. Served. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Ben, since since I know you're going to have a hard time getting words in edgewise, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to give the floor to you. I'd love for both of you to sort of introduce yourself, and mm -hmm. and then we'll we'll get into the film and we'll get into the subject matter because it's mm -hmm. it's the, the question of uh, polarization and how to get people Americans to hear each other again mm -hmm. is something I've been obsessed with mm -hmm. ever since we started Free the People. So it's a mm -hmm. it's a big deal here. But mm -hmm. but who exactly are you? Why are you here? Yeah, well, uh, who am I? Uh, I'm Ben Klutze. I'm uh, with the Mercatus Center at George Mason University, and uh, I run a program called Pluralism and Civil Exchange. And the reason that we launched this project was because we started to think a lot about, um, you know, polarization. We are an ideas organization, and uh, you know, sort of the marketplace of ideas is important if you want to um, want innovation. You want um, human flourishing. You want good ideas to just bubble up, right? You need an, an environment that's oriented towards a lot of discourse and engagement and debate. And as we saw that um, this sort of things are shifting uh, towards more and more polarization, realizing that that's really a, a difficult um, environment to be in for ideas to thrive. So we decided to really get into this. And the fundamental question that we are trying to figure out is, you know, how can we live together uh, amidst, you know, uh, deep divides and differences? How, mm -hmm. how can we coexist? We need to. We should. Well, uh, one of the things you taught me is it's not just polarization, mm -hmm. that it's actually this toxic polarization. Like, mm -hmm. polarization, like, difference is good. Like, that's part of the American system, right? Like. Yeah. We always talk yeah. about like Hamilton and yeah. Jefferson basically hated each other's guts, right? But they still were part of Team Jefferson over here. Doesn't yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you, dude. But like, you know, but but we still they were both really instrumental in the founding of this incredible country, right? And divides we think about like the civil we think that the civil war, right? That is not where we want to go. But like mm -hmm. the civil rights movement, you know, we have had lots of times in this country where we have really disagreed about how are we gonna mm. grapple with these issues. I think the issue right now, and this is, I mean, again, this is something that Ben and, and Tony, um, the other the other like amazing star of the film, mm -hmm. uh, Tony Woodley from the State Policy Network, like that they taught me as I was kind of researching this is that 
the toxic polarization, it actually dehumanizes the people on the other side. It says, you're not just like wrong, you're stupid and you don't deserve the benefits of citizenship. Yeah. And that's like the real, that's that takes us to, that's the thing that takes us to crazy, like non-American places, I think. Tony has been on the show as well. And he, when his book came out, which is very much influenced the film. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I still am of this naive kind of hippy dippy view that diversity is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yes. like I, I'm thinking about, uh, I usually quote Hayek in this program, but I'm going to quote Ludwig von Mises instead mm-hmm. because I think about the, the essential nature of conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he famously says the market isn't a thing or a place. It's a process. Uh, yeah. um, and that was that was something I was at Mercatus before it was called Mercatus. Mm-hmm. And, right. and we used to quote this all the time. Mm-hmm. And another way of saying that it's a process is saying it's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just it's just the process of people figuring out mm-hmm. how to solve problems and move forward and, exactly. and create solutions. Exactly. And to me, without without that process, we we can't actually solve problems that's right so this is this is not a small thing that we're trying to solve here right Mm -hmm. and and i I know this was hinted at in the film but it strikes me that um the enemies of problem solving are probably the ones that sort of instigate this othering of the other side because it's not only the case that it's uncomfortable to have a conversation with somebody else um it's it's actually there's this new sort of ideology that says that words are violence Mm -hmm. and so like it's it's almost like you're not allowed Mm -hmm. even if you want to Mm -hmm. understand the other side but tell me a little bit about the the film i know i know tony's uh, work was influential on the themes your work was influential on the themes Mm -hmm. um from from a mercatus perspective what what sort of led up to this project um, other things that you guys did that said, you know what, there's there's not only a problem, but maybe there's a solution. Yeah, it started uh, from conversations, right? Um, you know, me talking to Tony, um, Tony talking to Christy, Christy talking to me. <laughs> um, just lots and lots of thinking and Were processing. they hostile conversations? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I'm only hostile to you, Matt. I know. Like... <laughs> I, I can tell that you. Most people seem to like you. So yeah, it depends on who she's talking about. Right? Who she's talking to. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, we'd been thinking about this environment for ideas, and ideas are important for a free and, and, and flourishing, uh, peaceful society. Um, and so, how do we how do we address this? Uh, part of it is you know bringing students together um, from different parts of the country to have conversations on difficult topics. We call that the pluralist lab. Um, part of it is bringing scholars together who are thinking about issues from different mm-hmm. perspectives to help us think through what are the barriers, right? What are the potential solutions? Um, and, and then, you know, looking around and see what, what others are doing in the mm-hmm. civil society space. And can we amplify that stuff? Can we, can we pull together a network of people who are thinking about this and just, you know, build a lot of energy around this stuff? Yeah. So, so that's, you know, we were thinking a lot about that. And then I met Tony um, and, um, you know, he says, uh, this is what I'm working on. We talked about his book. Uh, I read it. And, you know, we kind of challenge each other a little bit on, on the extent to which, uh, you know, affective polarization or toxic polarization is an issue. And, you know, like we have to test this out. We have to figure out a way. And after talking to Christy, Christy's really thinking about this thing. And 
she says, look, you know, maybe we should we should think about ways in which um, we, can, we can put this stuff on camera and, and test out this idea that ordinary Americans can come together. Well, because, like, otherwise, how do we scale it? You know, each one of these conversations is six people. And, you know, six people at a time is really labor-intensive to do. But if each person who sees the film will then go out and have, you know, a conversation with six people, and then we could have a multiplier effect. A film is something that's much easier to kind of spread, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, you know, the conversations themselves are, are hard, you know? The film itself is scaling the conversation. Yeah, that's the hope, you know, because, mm. I mean, you know, like my why is I want the world to be different for my kids. Like I am not okay to just say, oh, oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna let Washington D.C. figure this out. You know, they they we'll let the the people on the fringes dis determine this the, the conversation. I am not okay with that. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think the film is gonna like change the world, but it's my own little piece that I can do. You know, to try to to try to help make the world more like the world I want for for future generations. So Specifically, my two children, yeah. Ben and Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you have you have an agenda. I have an agenda. Yeah. <laughs> At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle, twenty four seven. Something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today. Just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to freethepeople.org/kol and check out our exciting merch. You too can love liberty and look cool. Um, we were talking about this last night that uh, um, I had done a lot of work with Living Room Conversations, mm -hmm. which was founded by a, a very good friend of mine now, Joan Blades, yeah. who was, uh, we, we were teamed up many years ago when I was considered right-wing Tea Party guy, mm -hmm. and she was the co-founder of moveon.org, mm -hmm. and she, she she noticed very early on that that we were we were almost being pitted against each other on purpose and mm -hmm. and being othered mm -hmm. and it's it's the same problem because her her model was you you kind of invite people that you disagree with to dinner mm -hmm. and you have a conversation mm -hmm. and and i've done a lot of that and part of our theory in working together it's we we started doing stuff together on criminal justice mm -hmm. and the theory was we if nothing else, we could lead by example and and use our reputations in hopefully a productive way yeah. to do that. Um, but this this project is is frustratingly simple and impossible at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wonder I want to go back to this question. Um, you've been working with uh, college kids. Mm -hmm. And it strikes me that there's a there's a generational problem because I was talking about this whole, ideology of words or violence do you find it harder to get young people to talk to each other than say a lot of the characters in the film are are adults yeah, um, yeah. it is that a problem um it's it's a bit of a challenge i mean we see this in the in the research too right i mean in terms of the ways in which young people are self-censoring mm -hmm. right on campus because they're worried about you know, what others might say or do uh, to them on social media so you know in their classrooms on campus they are very careful about you know what they might say that someone might consider violence against them or just something they just can't uh, handle or deal with 
Um, and so part of what we do is to help them understand that conversations are okay. Words aren't really going to destroy you. Um, and that having exchanging words with each other is important. So mm -hmm. long as we're doing that respectfully, right? We lay down the ground rules. Um, and these are rules that we probably apply on a day-to-day -day basis, um, but we're not thinking about them specifically um, when it comes to these types of difficult conversations. It's respect, right? Uh, authenticity. We come to this, you know, uh, being very, very honest, not masking our views about who we are. And then curiosity. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's figure this out. There's something I'm not getting, I'm not understanding. I wanna see how I might connect the dots a little bit better. It doesn't mean that I walk away abandoning my views completely and just embracing yours. Oh, no, no, no. Um, it just means that, okay, I, I have a better perspective. Mm. Um, and so, you know, they, they come into these things with, with a lot of, um, you know, trepidation about what they might experience in these conversations. Mm. Um, so, yeah, to that extent, there's a bit of challenge there. But after the experience, they are... Oh boy, over the moon. They're excited. They're like, wow, we can actually do this? It's liberating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they stick around exchanging emails, you know, texting each other. And I understand that a lot of them have stayed in touch, uh, you know, uh, after the experience. So all of the all of the characters that you focus on in the film, they express that same trepidation. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you can see it when they are first asked to speak mm -hmm. in these conversations. And they're all wondering, if I say this, yeah. is someone going to jump down my throat? Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, I think the part of this is cultural, too. Right. We have this whole thing about don't talk to strangers. You know, Daniel Allen has a book titled Don't Talk, you know, talking to strangers it comes from this whole idea that we're programmed to be, you know, very mindful of, you know, not, don't bring up religion, don't talk about politics. Um, and so I think naturally we have this fear about bringing up these types of things. Um, and we have to figure out ways to kind of break the ice. So you're the filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm a, I'm the director, but it's a all, you know this. Yes. Everything is a collaboration. <laughs> okay, know? so you, you, like me, you take credit for everybody else's hard work. <laughs> I try not to. I mean, uh, Carrie Conco, Casey Kirby, I mean, amazing editor. He also was the director of photography. I mean, uh, Morgan Twist Garvey. I mean, amazing folks. I got, I have, I'm so lucky. Carrie Conco, gosh, you know. So how did you come up with the, like, in in one sense, and I said this last night to Ben, I was like, you, you made a focus group really interesting. Thank you. Because it's a series, um, the, people, the, the structure is a series of focus groups. Yeah. People people said to me, you're, you're going to use focus groups. <laughs> but I wanted to show, I wanted to show that this was like regular people. And, and if I, if I, if I specifically picked people who I knew, I couldn't authentically do that. I, I couldn't sell that. Yeah. You know, I was a journalist, so I have I do have standards. <laughs> <laughs> and you were we should empty your closet. You were uh, I met you first 10,000 years ago uh -huh. when you were the producer for John Stossel. Yes. At ABC News 2020 and then at uh, Fox News and Fox Business, yeah. So, like I would assume at 2020 it maybe different than today, but you learned at a very early professional age to talk to people who were a little bit shocked and found you a little bit weird 
philosophically. Is that fair or was it not like that back then? Um, you mean like at ABC? Like what yeah. was it like at ABC? I mean, at ABC, I found, I, I, I think that, I think that the perspective that uh, we were coming from, um, Stossel and I, um, and part of the reason I worked for him is because I do tend to, I think, I think I'm a little softer sometimes, but I think I tend to think about things the same way that he does. Mm -hmm. um, but we had to be really buttoned up about everything we did. I mean, ABC is a great training ground for good journalism, and or it was then. Um, you know, standards and practice, having to go through standards and practices and legal on every single word of every single script that you ever do, you're not going to screw up as much, yeah. you know. And if you have people challenging because your ideas are different than what they might expect initially, I actually just, it's kind of like going to the gym, right? You you get a lot better at what you're going to do. And so that, I sort of like, I, I sort of learned from him from afar how to translate sort of obscure abstract ideological arguments and philosophical arguments and and even economic arguments which which I love yeah but I realize that they're not particularly persuasive to people who don't process the world that way yeah um, he would always tell a story and yep. he would always personalize it yep and it would always be a story about someone and that's that's what you guys succeeded in doing with yeah. this it's a bunch of stories we wanted to tell the story of of this, it's very Stossel-esque, actually. You know, what you think you know ain't so. You think, and all the surveys actually show this. The surveys show that people think that we are much, much more um, divided and, like, toxically polarized where you really shouldn't talk to somebody and that, and that people are much angrier than they actually are. And if you think that, I mean, people in our focus groups, the low was what, like 30%? The high was like 90%. They were like 90% of people are mm -hmm. toxically polarized. And mm -hmm. and they were they were they were dead serious. Yeah. Um, if you really think that about all your fellow Americans, are you gonna go to the city council meeting? Are you gonna actually speak up? No way, right? Because your worldview tells you that you're going to get screamed at if you do that. If instead you have an accurate version, which is that the vast majority of Americans actually can and want to have these conversations, and even if they disagree with you, they're going to be civil, suddenly you regain the power, too. And you can be like, I'm going to engage. I'm going to make sure my voice gets heard. And I, I mean, I, I think I wish that the people who are like words or violence could could see the consequences of that of that mindset that it actually silences so much like of the beauty that is in this American experiment that we have you know don't you like I think I because I don't think that's their intention actually because I think they're probably they're probably well-intentioned you know they want to like be sensitive and protect people and and but there are unintended consequences i think of that mindset thank you for joining me today on kibbe on liberty and for being part of our fiercely independent audience every week my organization free the people partners with blaze tv to bring you this show my guests bring smart perspectives on everything from current events to timeless philosophical debates if you like what you hear go to freethepeople.org kol and support kibbe on liberty so we can continue to produce these honest conversations with interesting people. Now, let's get back to it. Yeah, there's, um, 
I mean, there's there's an upside to the the struggle, the discomfort yeah. of having a difficult conversation about something with somebody. I've I've really like some of the funnest conversations I've had are with with another friend of ours. We're both I learned this last night. We're both members of the Civic Collaboratory, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. which is uh, a friend of mine named Eric Liu, uh-huh. um, a speechwriter for Bill, Bill Clinton, um, and. He has um, he has a number of projects, but this one is really designed quite similarly to what you guys are trying to accomplish to have sort of transpartisan conversations across mm-hmm. the political divide. Oh, cool. Now it's an interesting group for me because it is um, heavily weighted progressive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I've always called myself the token libertarian <laughs> that goes to these <laughs> events. Um, but one one thing I learned very early on, which which we knew, but we didn't really internalize, is how how tribal the language is for fill in the blank, mm-hmm. um, progressive, mm-hmm. conservative, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And then I come back to my little libertarian circles, and I realize we we use the same bizarro language that even if we wanted to connect with somebody else, mm-hmm. it's going to be very difficult because they don't know what that word is, yeah. like the the nap. Yeah. And we use that, and we like the, the non-aggression principle. Oh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you, you obviously don't know the secret handshake either. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, what? This is good for you, yeah. <laughs> Thanks um, for teaching me this. <laughs> um, but so one of the messages I think of the film is what I would call localism. Like, yeah. we gotta we got to stop centralizing everything so that whoever has the presidency mm-hmm. wins and vanquishes the other half of the country. Right. And we have to shift responsibility and power and citizenship back to the local level. Um, how important is that? Is that is that the key to everything? It's it's critical. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we nationalize way too much, uh, you know, in terms of our conversations. Right. That's that's a really key part of this. The other thing too is I think not everything is an existential crisis. <laughs> right. I mean. Uh, yeah, healthcare. It's, well, we kind of we have to agree that this is the most important election of our lifetime. <laughs> every oh, election is the most important. I mean, it's it's amazing, you know, when when you listen to folks and they are so exercised about everything. Like, oh my gosh, the United States is just coming to an end, right? Because this person becomes a governor or becomes president or whatever. It's like, no. Like, if 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 healthcare goes one direction. You know, the reason we have the system that we have is that we can debate and discuss, um, think about reforms, build coalitions. Uh, That's how it's done. But, you know, we have this sort of uh, mindset that any issue that doesn't go our way is just an existential thing. And, And it's unfortunate because I think that on a lot of policy questions and issues, you know, Americans haven't necessarily changed much. Uh, and if anything at all, they actually moved a little bit closer. You mentioned criminal justice reform, right? That's, you know, there's a lot of agreement there. And there are other things, too, about, you know, uh, climate, right? People come at it from different perspectives. But, um, you know, th- people have moved a little bit closer on, on some things. And um, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, but I think what creates a lot of the polarization is the, is the emotion, the um, the fear and the anger, the sense that, oh my gosh, this this other group over there, they are so extreme. Um, their ideas 
are threatening. They, 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 they will destroy, you know, everything. Don't you think it's also like <clears throat> the power grab, though, too, yeah. also? You know, it's like if I say, if I characterize the other side as, you know, like... I'm thinking about like the immigration debate. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a great one because it's like if I characterize, you know, people who want to figure out a way like a legal pathway to citizenship as, you know, trying to like undermine all American values mm -hmm. and like and 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 um, do all these terrible things to the country, um, then then suddenly I have a place where I can tweet in all caps and, you know, try to raise money and maybe get on, you know, cable news. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly, like, my power mechanism starts to gin up, right? Mm -hmm. Money and power. Mm -hmm. And it's not just money and power. It's also centralization of power, right? Mm -hmm. um, away from the local, not, you know, towards this national, mm -hmm. which is, that's like, that is not a good dynamic. And I think, I don't believe that there is some like law or rule that can come in and fix that. I think the only thing that fix that fixes that is us on the consumer side being mm -hmm. like, that's crazy. Like, yeah. and being yeah. able to like literally put it aside and then say, no, I'm not gonna participate in that. Like, yeah. and we all can do that. I believe that we can do that. We're, yeah. we're Americans are smart, yeah. you know? Yeah. They don't always act like it. <laughs> power, power hoarding is a great way to think about it. Yeah. And there's um, um, every politician um, I know that's that's a good demagogue will do this. Mm -hmm. And you you have to create a caricature of the political enemy. Right. And they may or may not know this, but this, this I don't think it originated with him, but, but this was a core tenet of Leninism yeah. is that if you didn't have an enemy, you had to create one right. so yeah. that you could organize the people against that great threat right. to the common good. So in some ways, like this is a dilemma that I want to challenge you guys with. Politics is the corruption here mm -hmm. because, you know, clickbait yeah. and demonizing the other, this, this is how people get elected. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a new thing. I think that's, that's the very nature of the beast so are we asking people to take politics back or are we going to take it a step further and say, you know, there's more important things than just politics, like cooperation yeah. at the community level? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the right way to put, put this is, is what Robert Talese says, uh, that mm -hmm. you have to put politics in its place, in its proper place. Um, and if everything, every part of our lives has been saturated with politics, and that's really not a good thing. And he says, look, we have to find ways to do things with each other that have nothing to do with our politics or that our politics are irrelevant in those circumstances. And when we do that, we can create some civic friendships along the way. And if you, if you create those friendships and you, you, you have conversations with them, you realize, oh my gosh, this, this person isn't as, as extreme as I thought that they were. Because I think what's happening is we're you know, overestimating how extreme um, people are mm. it's interesting I mean, we, they, they do these uh, you know psychology experiments where they would share with um, they would ask Republicans and Democrats these interesting questions um, they, they would say to Democrats how do you think a Republican might choose you know and they'd say uh, six weeks before the 2020 election you know the vaccines can be 
released even though they're not fully like tested you know it's not like 100 percent it's like 80 percent right um do you think republicans will opt for releasing that if they know that that's going to help you know donald trump win the presidency um and you ask democrats is it by all means 90 percent of republicans are going to choose that um and then you ask republicans and maybe it's like what 10 percent or so who would say that and so you you reveal the results to them in real time and you're like what wait what and same thing on the other side, right? You yeah. ask Democrats, you know, uh, or Republicans, to what extent do you think Democrats are like open borders, full, you know, and they would estimate maybe 90% or so, and then actually, the Democrats say, well, you know, we, we think that there should be some laws and blah, blah, but, you know, we think people should come, blah, blah. You know, it's more nuanced, right? And they, they're, they're surprised by this stuff, right? And I think that's um, a lot of what's happening, and the the impression we have of each other gives these sort of um, conflict entrepreneurs, what Amanda Ripley calls them, mm -hmm. conflict entrepreneurs, the opportunity <clears throat> to exploit, you know, these these differences, right, um, for for the power that they're seeking, and so on. I think a lot of this is being aware, uh, truly aware, mm -hmm. of what's of what's going on. If you've made it this far into the show, it means I must be doing something right. Key Beyond Liberty is just one of the amazing products we created for the people. We tell emotionally compelling stories and produce educational videos for the Liberty Curious. Our award-winning documentaries personalize all things Liberty, independence, creativity, hard work, integrity, and perseverance. After the show, check out our work at freethepeople.org. And if you like what you see, donate to support what we do. That's freethepeople.org. Now back to the show. I have this theory that um, I, I love that phrase, conflict entrepreneurs. Yeah. That that this um, um, the polarization that appears to come from social media mm. is is again part of this process of figuring stuff out because mm -hmm. we, on the upside, we have better information, mm -hmm. we have access, and we can we can learn things from people that we think are just like crazy and weird. Mm -hmm. And you didn't maybe maybe 20 years ago you didn't even know that guy existed, <laughs> and so you're learning this, and it's it's ra radically democratized, right? Mm -hmm. But through all the noise, you can see a process by which people that really don't want to live in a clickbait world mm -hmm. and don't want to be angry mm -hmm. all the time at the other guys that they're they're starting to figure out a process to manage all of this vast array of information. Mm -hmm. I, I yeah. tend to be optimistic about it because I yeah. believe that people can figure stuff mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is that where we're going? Yeah, I think people will figure stuff out. Although, you know, the research, you know, the, you know Rachel, people like Rachel Kleinfeld have, have put out indicates that affective polarization, you know, has been going up since cable news, talk radio, you know, now social media. So I don't put all the um, blame on social media. Um, I just think that we're in the process where, you know, like you said, we're trying to figure out um, the right ways, the right lenses uh, to, to take in information, to understand what's going on. Um, and we have, we, we're trying not to be sort of, um, we have to figure out how we're not shifted like one way or another, right, by someone's, you know, uh, wrong impressions about, about the world. I think we, you know, when the printing press emerged, right, um, information disseminated and people were trying to figure stuff out, 
right? Um, there was all this conflict. In fact, some wars that emerged as a result. Not, I'm not saying that we're, we're, we're getting there, but whenever there's any new, new technology, new systems, um, people, you know, uh, figure it out. It's a little, you know, choppy uh, initially, mm -hmm. but eventually we do. I think people are smart. I would assume there were power mongers that said, we can't, this printing press thing, we can't let people have that information. We don't yeah. know what they'll do with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow yeah. we made it. We made it. Yeah. That's right. So that's you know, my, my, my optimism there. Or we could just blame the person that worked at Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> right. But let me just, let me temper your optimism sure. just a little bit, because yeah. there is also research that I will remind you of mm -hmm. that that shows that if we just let this toxic polarization grow mm -hmm. there it can it can lead to really really bad consequences um you know jen Merkishvili talks mm -hmm. about how looks at what happened in afghanistan and she really calls out you know there there's research that shows like if it gets to about 25 percent like of toxic polarization on either side um that can that can lead to war like and really to violence and yeah. and we we if, if we don't we need to get a handle on this dehumanization piece and 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 there's no reason why we shouldn't like because because Americans Amer we 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 don't believe in dehumanization yeah. <laughs> like that's not part of our of who we are so we just we just yeah. I think we yeah. have to say like stop yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't do that, you know, on some one level. Of, one of the most powerful scenes in the movie for me was when the um, the, the gun nut from Pittsburgh with his closet full of <laughs> AKs. And the they're in a gun safe, come yeah. on. They're, and the, they're in a gun the single safe. mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's, 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 one of her sons was killed by gun violence like, yeah. in the months right before our filming, yeah. And we're all, this is a spoiler alert, but but we, we learned, even though they, they thought that they totally disagreed, she was in fact strapped mm -hmm. yeah. because she had to be in her That's neighborhood right. to protect mm -hmm. her family. Mm -hmm. But to me, the most, the most powerful scene is when they go to each other's house mm -hmm. and they, they see mm -hmm. where they live and mm -hmm. why they've made the decisions they've made. I mean, and they actually have become like friends. I mean, we didn't mm -hmm. even know this until the movie was like done, but like, they like invited each other to each other's weddings and stuff. I mean, like, mm -hmm. like that's so cool. They're, they're, they're yeah. like, because um, they actually felt like they had a lot more in common. You know, th they're from Pittsburgh. Sure. You know, and you know, they're they're different races. They're they're in different kinds of jobs. They they grew up in slightly different places, but they 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 got a lot in common actually. You know, and mm -hmm. and they both care about their kids. They both care about like, you know. Achieving the the American dream. I know I sound like I'm like a Pollyannish, but mm. like that really, it's like I I get super jazzed about stuff like that. Have you considered a, a dating service? <laughs> no, no, they weren't marrying each other. I understand. <laughs> I understand. But we get that question a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this gives a whole new meaning. This gives a whole new meaning to swiping left or swiping right. <laughs> So the, the model is to get people to talk to each other and to, to rehumanize them yeah. and to actually try to listen. Mm -hmm. And this, these are not small goals, but no, no. Um, the, let's talk about the project itself. The film is out yeah. 
and um, there is there is a landing page, a website. You can sign up. You can yep. pledge to not be an asshole anymore. <laughs> I will. I will never sign that pledge. <laughs> no, it's 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 a respect pledge. It's like pretty basic tenets, mm-hmm. and I think the reason why we have the respect pledge is because it's like I'm just gonna. I'm. It's just like. I think it's just kind of like putting our stamp. You want to put your stamp and be like, yeah, respect is basic tenets of respect that like your kindergartner teacher, you know, taught you your your mother, like, you know, taught you at the dinner table. You know, these are like they're kind of important in civic dialogue also. Um, So, yeah, that's the pledge. But it's undivideusmovie.com. Go there. Sign the pledge. Host a screening, you know get on board with like making the world a better place. So you guys have you've you have you've shown it a couple of places and some people have said I want to screen this. Yep. It it, it reminds me again like a um, that that the the power of decentralization might be the only way this project works cuz mm-hmm. um, getting together and watching a movie isn't it of itself a, a community-based activity. Totally. And it's not it's not like going to hear someone speak or getting lectured at that kind right. of thing but if like if you get enough people to come to your screening and get them to sign up on Eventbrite, i'll send ben or maybe me right. <laughs> <laughs> did you see look he just Happy gave go. me <laughs> no but like we'll we'll come we'll we'll send you popcorn boxes like the more people we get to sign up for this like we want to incentivize people to be like all right i'm in for the party you know and honestly, the screenings are fun, and then afterwards, people want to keep talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's yeah. it's it's nice. Yeah, I mean, this is a a bottom up uh, thing. Right? It's it's you know, one person having a conversation with another person, or bringing a group of people together and saying, hey, "Let's let's watch this movie. Let's talk about this, and how might we talk about this thing that's difficult for us to talk about?" You know, and how did you get to these ideas? And this is what I think you're saying when I hear you say X and, you know, what do you think you hear me saying when you, when you hear this, you know, it's, it's, it's practice, you know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. One of the challenges um, on projects like this is that the organizer is probably the member of some tribe mm-hmm. and they've, they've sort of defined themselves based on their beliefs. Mm-hmm. So that it's, it's quite possible early on that, that some groups skew in one mm-hmm. direction Mm. Totally. But we, we actually, we, we, we've screened this for like a group of conservatives, right? Um, that was one of our real early screenings. And one of the key things that came out of it is they were like, we love this movie, but we're really concerned that liberals are really not going to like this movie. <laughs> and so then we actually took that feedback and we're like, oh, geez, we really, we must screen this with like a group of liberals. So then we screened with a group of liberals. And it was so funny in the post Q&A, somebody raised their hand and they said, loved the film. I really am concerned about conservatives liking this film. <laughs> and so then we kind of felt like, OK, we've we've got the balance right. Yeah. Right. Because we didn't make this as a conservative or a liberal or libertarian film. We, we made this as like a plea for like the 10th Amendment, you know, mm. like, let's get back to power reserved to the people. Um, and how do we convince people that they can have that agency? Um, and, and we want to go there. I guess that that experience is almost a metaphor for the film itself that yeah, totally. this side doesn't this side is, is totally open to the conversation, but they don't think the other side's no. going to do it. It was yeah. kind of funny. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, it was 
we did yeah. not expect, I didn't, I mean, yeah. I don't think any of us expected that that was going to come yeah. out of it at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It just goes to show that we're making a lot of assumptions about, about each other that we should not be making. Yeah. Uh, so. Leave it to Ben to make, bring it all like that. <laughs> <laughs> so more film festivals? Yep. We, um, a, b- a bastion of conservative thought. <laughs> the film festival world. Exactly. No. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, we'll be at uh, Durango, at Red Dirt, at New Hope, at yeah. uh, Through Women's Eyes yeah. in Sarasota. We've um, and we've got a bunch still on the docket. We're yeah. waiting to hear from. Yeah. And um, yeah, we going across the country. Yeah, and we've got a distributor who's trying to sell it to streaming services. So that that's ne- you know coming up, yeah. and um, and we're exciting. on we're on Matt Kibbe's show. Yeah, which this is, like, is this huge. this could be you're going to regret. Committing. <laughs> so what? What is what is the threshold by which Ben has to go to one of these viewings? I don't know, Ben. What do you think? Like 200, 200 people? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? All right, let's say two hundred people. If so you can get two hundred people How many thousand days up, of the year do you have? <laughs> no, I mean it, it's not. It won't necessarily be Ben, but we have Ben, mm-hmm. we have Tony, Tony we have me, um, a couple of the other producers for the film, and we also have some of the experts from the film are willing mm-hmm. to go yeah. to do screenings also. Yeah. So like we've got kind of a um, a bastion of people who are like, I mean, we we all kind of just feel like this is this is really important. Yeah, and. I mean, I don't want to be away from my kids. Like, you know, I'm like going to the airport after this. I'm flying mm-hmm. home. But like, I, I'm willing to do it, you know, because I want to I want to help help make the world like a, a freer place for them. So someone watching this, can they actually see the film now or do they have to organize an event in order to see the film? <laughs> right now they have to organize it's an trap. event. It's, it's a trap. A trap. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't cost anything. It's free mm-hmm. if you'll organize a screening. Like, we'll mm-hmm. we'll get it to you. Yeah. Um, so that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah reach out. Mm-hmm. Screenings at, I don't know what the uh, website is. I think it's screenings oh, yeah. at undivideusmovie.com. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if you just if go, you go to, to undivideusmovie.com, you'll, you'll get to yeah. the screenings tab. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we got the URL. <laughs> you know better than me. That's terrible. <laughs> um, can, can we find you guys on social media? Mm-hmm. I'm on social media, yes. Okay. Do you want to tell us where? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Ben Klutze. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Was, yeah, just search my name on LinkedIn and you'll find me. I'm on Twitter, but I never, I don't really do Twitter because it feels like an angry place to me. I do um, LinkedIn and Facebook. And, uh, this was oh, interesting I'm on the gram. I'm yeah. on the gram, too. Yeah. <laughs> this is what's interesting about Twitter. It turns out about, you know, 6% of the folks on Twitter are generating, you know, 73% of all political tweets oh, wow. right and so you you have um a small group of people who are creating a lot of noise about politics and all this stuff and most of us are just just standing by and watching the arena and seeing people kind of go at it and we get the impression that this is this is Real the life. entire world yeah i feel like um maybe x is another metaphor for what you're trying to do because there is this reputation that it's that it's angry and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and zero sum gain kind of conversations, but that's dependent on the kind of conversation you want to have yeah. Mm. Yeah. on X. And mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose you get you get less traction hmm. being thoughtful, but mm-hmm. somebody's got to do it, mm-hmm. right? This is why I love you, Matt Kibbe. <laughs> <laughs> you you quote Hayek. <laughs> <laughs> 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and von Mises and other and if my wife was if my wife was here, she'd be like, "You're the reasonable one. <laughs> We're screwed." Well, this is part of why I'm so psyched to have been here for this interview is because I don't know anybody other than you who quotes like smart people more than this man right here. He's always like, "Well, did you read this like random?" I'm like, "No, Ben, I didn't read that." You like, gotta you gotta drop those Easter eggs in. You know, somebody watching this is gonna be like, "I I, I want to dig a little bit deeper and mm-hmm. and." Uh, you know, respect the audience a little bit. No, no. All right. We do have like a whole resource page at at the undividedusmovie.com. Like mm-hmm. we're and we're adding to more. We're adding more things there all the time. Like if somebody, somebody just Carter Phipps just sent me this thing about you know uh, uh, depolarizing ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. Like they have. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what that is, but it sounds really cool. Like I, I want to know more. <laughs> well, as it turns out, my audience is is some of the most sophisticated people mm-hmm. in the universe. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it's not going to get better than this. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Exciting. I'm excited. <laughs> no, when you told me that, yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Thank you, guys. Well, thank no, you. thank you for being awesome. Really appreciate it. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, Go to freethepeople.org.